Welcome. My name is Yvonne Bendinger-Rothschild. I'm the Executive Director of the EACC New York. This podcast is brought to you by the European American Chamber of Commerce, a platform where Europeans and Americans connect to do business. For our podcast, we ask members from across Europe and the United States to discuss current events and how they may affect transatlantic business activities. I'd like to invite you to listen to all of our podcasts. You can find them on our website at eacc.com right slash podcasts. I hope you will enjoy the insights our members together with my team have put together. And I encourage you to subscribe to the EACC podcast series on your favorite podcast server and to rate and share them with your friends and colleagues. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the EACC NY Brexit Musings. We created this podcast to help you better understand the consequences of Brexit. So we ask experts within our membership to walk through the numerous European and transatlantic matters that are impacted by Brexit and to help you better understand how to best prepare for it. My name is Paolo Frazzini Melendez. I manage member engagement at the EACCNY and I'll be your host for this series. As you may know, with the Brexit transition phase expiring at the end of 2020, it is important that businesses understand that they need to take action now to ensure VAT and customs duty compliance. Especially since the UK will be leaving the EU single market and customs union, it is clear that that the UK will no longer be able to benefit from the free movement of goods, services, people and capital within the EU. That being said, the new customs border between the UK and the EU will therefore be effective beginning January 1st, 2021, which means that from that date, full customs border formalities will be required for goods moving between the UK and the EU. To expand further, we will hear from our members at Anderson, Sarah Shears and Ben Otemiga, who will discuss how Brexit will impact U.S. businesses, what immediate action should be taken, and other issues for consideration. With that, I pass it on to you, Benno. Thank you, Paolo. My name is Benno Tominga. I'm a managing director in the U.S. National Tax Practice at Anderson and based in New York City. I started my career in VAT with Arthur Anderson in Amsterdam and London and have been in New York City for over 20 years now, where I help U.S. businesses with the VAT ramifications of their activities around the world. Hi, my name is Sarah Shears, and I'm the head of VAT for Anderson UK. I started my career in VAT with Ernst & Young in the UK, spending time helping to set up the VAT practice in Romania when Romania joined the EU in 2007. So I have significant experience on this from the other side um, for a member state joining. Sarah, the hallmarks of the European Union are the free movement of goods, services, people and capital between the member states. The UK has left the European Union on the 1st of January this year and is currently transitioning out of the EU rules. But for VAT and customs, it's like nothing has changed yet. Indeed, Benno, yes. But 31st of December 2020 this year um, is a hard deadline. So there's no prospect of the transitionary period being extended. And the UK government has made that very clear. The question remains whether the UK can reach a deal on future trading and security relationships by the end of the year, despite all the other pressures we're seeing from COVID-19. Any such deal is likely to be required by the time of the October EU Council meeting. So that's due to be held 15th, 16th of October. Once the deal's been made, we need time, well, we need time for both parties to ratify any deal through the European Parliament, possibly EU member state national parliament, UK parliament, and time for organisations to prepare. There's an added complication here that the UK has proceeded with controversial plans in the UK internal market bill that would contravene the Brexit withdrawal agreement, which was signed with the European Union in 2019, potentially also breaking international law in the process. 
a government senior legal advisor in the UK here has resigned over the internal market bill and those plans which could modify parts of the Brexit withdrawal agreement relating to Northern Ireland. So as you'll see, it remains uncertain as to whether or not a deal will be reached. But the one thing that is clear is that if there is a deal, time will be tight to prepare for the changes and it will involve a significant economic hit on both the UK and the EU side. So still some issues that are being worked out, but that there will be changes is certain. And looking at the impact of Brexit for US businesses, this will not only impact US companies with subsidiaries or presence in the UK or the EU, but it will also impact US businesses with no establishment in the UK or EU at all, perhaps businesses that are merely involved in the moving of goods between the UK and the EU. Yeah, there's um, typical EU trade simplifications that are, are used for movements of goods between the UK and EU. So some of these may no longer be available to businesses trading in the UK. For example, the importation of goods into the UK, followed by an onward supply of the goods to the EU, can currently qualify for onward supply relief. And what that does is it gives businesses relief from the import VAT that would otherwise be chargeable. But as a general rule, the traders will need to import goods into the UK, pay the applicable VAT and duty, and then export the goods from the UK into the EU and submit all the export declarations for all goods. So that's the general process that would need to happen without that relief in place. It may be possible to look at a temporary admission of goods, but that obviously will depend on the business's supply chain and what's happening there. So another one is triangulation. That's an, another important VAT simplification that may be lost after Brexit. So this covers a scenario where a business in one member state orders goods from another member state and then arranges for it to be delivered to a third member state. An example of that would be, say, a UK business orders some parts from a supplier in France and then asks for those parts to be delivered to its customer site in Spain. Triangulation currently removes the obligation for the UK business or UK subsidiary to register in another member state in such circumstances, provided that certain conditions are met and the paperwork is completed correctly, the INCO terms are correct, etc. However, from the 1st of January 2021, this simplification will no longer be available if, if there's no deal and UK the UK business would then need to register for that in an EU country. So in that example, the UK business would need to register in France or Spain, and there would be obviously additional compliance obligations, administrative time taken up, and costs there. So these are just two examples. There's other trade simplifications which may also be unavailable, such as reliefs for temporary movement of your own goods from the UK and EU countries, um, and the call-off stock simplification in place, and other simplifications that are similar. Sarah, with the transition period coming to an end, what are some of the immediate action points other than that businesses should have mapped out their supply chain to identify possible changes to VAT and customs accounting? Yeah, you're right there, Benno. It's, it's really important to map your supply chain and, and look what's going on in the business and really just to have a, a Brexit strategy plan. So you need to be well prepared here for the risks, any additional costs, as we've just discussed, uh, audits, and how to respond to such an audit if one does come up. The best thing I see is really kind of to have an initial focus on your IT setup, because this can take a while to get IT infrastructure updated, and there's limited time remaining, as we know. 
Generally speaking, I think you need to plan to be agile. You need to know your people. Who is it within your business that would be dealing with certain things and certain changes that might occur? Know your supply chain and really take the time to understand your trade data. Clean up that data if you need to, if there's too many fields in there, if there's values missing, that sort of thing. And build your systems to capture more data. So if you're putting in place or a new system or tweaking a system, perhaps think about adding country of origin and value of goods and other such information. Another thing to do is look at participating in government programs, for example, the Trusted Trader Scheme, and look at whether warehousing may be applicable or may be beneficial for your supply chain. And review your business contract provisions, see what's in there around data and around uh, the pricing strategies and if anything needs to be changed. And now is the time to be engaging with key third parties. So do, do you have key customers who may be affected by changes, who may want a supply chain change, speak, speak to your banks, any joint ventures, and any regulators where things may be changing in certain countries. On the practical side of things, also there's, there's quite a few things to be done, quite a few hoops to be jumped through. So you need to be applying for a separate EORI number in the UK or EU if required to help with the movement of goods. It may be that you need to appoint fiscal representatives depending on what countries you um, need to be registered in. And as we've said, identify any potential increase in costs, whether that's an admin cost or a customs duty cost due to any potential increase in tariffs. Another really important thing to be thinking about is how are you going to pay that customs duty from a practical perspective, are you going to engage a customs broker to prepare and file your declarations? Or are you going to look at um, doing that in-house? Potentially, you might want to collate information in-house, but have a review and submission by the customs broker. I think the thing to remember here is that whilst the customs broker can file your information for you, the business itself would still be held responsible for that information. So the business would sign a power of attorney for direct representation. But if there's any incorrect data, it will be the business that's held responsible for not the broker. So I think it's really important just to make sure that you know your data, you know who's going to be filing, um, and you're comfortable with that position. Another thing to look at is consideration of any additional barriers that are associated with certain industries. So it might be there's further consideration required for highly regulated industries. So for example, the pharmaceutical industry is a highly regulated industry and if there's any changes to supply chain or any different countries involved certainly need to be looking at things from a regulatory perspective yes you, you mentioned pharmaceuticals but these typically have supply chains going through multiple countries for example api produced in the u.s or even in another country is brought into one eu state for modification then perhaps moved to another eu country for further processing then again, move to another country for packaging before being exported back to the U.S. or another country. Based on the examples that you've just highlighted, uh, it would seem that Brexit will have a significant impact on these type of supply chains if the U.K. is one of the countries involved. Absolutely, Benno. Yeah, that's a really good example. I think that definitely people need to be really reviewing their supply chains with the thought of any Brexit changes here in mind and what that means for the business. So, Sarah, so far we've talked about tangible goods, uh, but what about intangible services? Yeah, the, the main focus here really is goods and the, and the movement of goods around the EU. That's the main thing that springs to mind. But there's also implications to 
services within the EU. So at present, businesses currently have the option to register for VAT via the so-called VAT mini one-stop shop or MOS as it's called. So that's used to collect and report VAT on sales of telecommunications, broadcasting and digital services to consumers in the EU. This then allows businesses to declare VAT on sales of such services without having to register for VAT in each and every individual EU country where those sales are made. In the event of a no-deal Brexit, the UK will no longer operate MOS and all businesses will be deregistered from UK MOS. So in that instance, businesses would instead need to apply for a separate VAT registration for the UK, for example, if supplying these types of digital services to UK consumers and perhaps also choose a, an EU member state in which to register for the VATMOS non-union scheme as the entity would then be a non-EU provider and would need to, to register that way in order to sell into the EU. So let's talk about other issues then, understanding the change in VAT and customs treatment of cross-border transactions of goods and services. Businesses do not only need to be prepared for the changes in rules that they have to comply with, but also budget for additional resources and costs. Yeah, I think we've touched on a few of these earlier, as, as I said, consideration of costs. If you need to have a fiscal representative when you didn't before, obviously that's going to cost you more. You may have, you may do your compliance in-house and have an administrative burden. It may be you outsource that to a third party and again, additional compliance costs there. We talked also about systems changes. If there's any ERP and systems updates, obviously there's going to be a cost to the business there as well. And really to look at things like the impact of moving goods from the EU through the UK and out to a third country or from a third country through the UK and then into the EU. Whereas before you may have had some reliefs there. Now, does that, does that break the direct transport rule? Do you need to look at you know, are there any changes in the supply chain? Are there any changes on what's due? Any additional costs there? Any additional admin? Also, just to think about it, cross-border checks and delays at ports and their impact on day-to-day -day business. So it's been estimated here in the UK that up to a further 29 lorry parks will be built across England in order to cope with border trading chaos after Brexit under emergency government powers. Quite a few of these lorry parks, you know, they're, they're quite far from the borders. And these sites are required because of growing fears that truck drivers will face long delays to enter the EU or be turned away altogether. So there's quite a lot in the press in the UK already around that kind of thing and the upsets and delays that may cause. Thank you, Sarah. So all in all, quite a bit to consider. Just to, to summarise, the takeaway would seem to be that businesses should act now to understand the indirect tax impact of, business, of Brexit Businesses should review their current operating models and explore alternatives to mitigate the VAT and customs impact of Brexit. But at the same time, it would also give an opportunity to explore improvements to the supply chain in general. Yes, indeed, Benno. So, yeah, businesses should be planning for potential increased tariffs and any no trade deal here. So, first thing to think about, you know, consider if your supply chain is still fit for purposes. Or is it going to add additional complexity and additional costs? Do you need to make any changes to that supply chain? Any Brexit plan should be cross-functional and cross-disciplinary and not operate in isolation. So make sure you've got all the key stakeholders across the business involved and joined up in your plans. For any help with Brexit planning and preparation for the new border requirements, 
please do not hesitate to reach out to us here at Anderson. And we would be happy here at the ACCNY to help with any introductions as well. But first, I would like to thank our speakers, Sarah and Benno at Anderson, for your expertise and taking the time to speak with us today. And another thank you to our audience. We hope that you enjoyed listening to our program on navigating VAT with the looming Brexit. So stay tuned for our next podcast where we news about Brexit. But for now, from the EACCNY and its speakers, goodbye. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the European American Chamber of Commerce, New York. Please remember to subscribe and rate this episode. And be sure to check out the complete list of recordings on our website at eacc.com right slash podcasts. If you have any comments or thoughts about this series, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at membership at eaccny.com to learn more about our work, how to get involved, and how to join our transatlantic network.